In Between a Sode, a hot take on healthcare stakeholders not collaborating. Relentlessly seeking value. Here's a hot take for you. I just learned what a hot take was like last week. So of course I needed to get me one on the quick. The thing with hot takes from what I understand, is that they are open for discussion. So what I'm talking about today is something I've been thinking about for a while, and I would be interested in your thoughts since probably some finesse is needed here. I want to talk about the imperative of collaborating with organizations across the care continuum, even the ones you may have a problem with. Let us begin by discussing why collaboration is so vital if the intention is to improve patient care quality and lower costs. The story really begins with fragmentation. Turns out the U.S. ranks last amongst 10 other countries in a recent study on healthcare systems. One of the reasons why is the fragmentation of professionals and patients and siloed health information. This is from a Commonwealth fund study. In fact, according to an AJMC article I found the other day, or do a Google search for any number of others, fragmentation is associated with increased costs of care, a higher chance of having a departure from clinical best practice, higher rates of preventable hospitalizations. Even among patients with the same chronic condition, lower quality happens and costs were higher in patients who received more fragmented care. So nothing for nothing. But it's kind of self-evident that to fix American healthcare, we need to fix fragmentation. But to fix fragmentation, stakeholders along the care continuum have to, God forbid, collaborate and work with each other. If any party along the care continuum does not collaborate with stakeholders upstream and downstream, or maybe across the stream, <laughs> along the patient journey, they inadvertently make the fragmentation problem worse because they create more silos. I mean, it doesn't matter how pure the mission, that's true. Collaboration might mean data sharing or working together somehow, but it also could mean sharing expertise or information or resources, value above the product, so to speak. Said another way, when I use the term collaborate, picture a Venn diagram circle with healthcare sales in the middle of it. Because if you're buying or selling a product or a service to use with a patient, on a patient, for a patient, it has to go down within a care continuum that includes more than just one party. I'm going to say that's true 99% of the time. There's usually an insurer involved. Maybe there's a pharmaceutical product, heaven forbid, a specialty one or a gene therapy. There could be three specialists and a PCP and a virtual front door and a wearable and an RPM company. So basically, with few exceptions, anybody in healthcare sales who is looking to actually produce better patient outcomes needs to know how to do the collaboration thing. And same for buyers. So I could talk long and spiritedly about what it takes to pull off a successful collaboration as that's been my job for an awfully long time. But I want to take this opportunity to air a grievance. I know, and it's not even Festivus. So here's my collaboration grievance, or more accurately, an anti-collaboration grievance. Nobody gets to be holier than thou. Nobody in the healthcare system gets to say that they refuse to collaborate slash work with an organization that the patient needs to deal with because of some ethical or otherwise problem that exists with that other entity. 
So sure, the halo of healthcare sits above some pretty unworthy heads who use the no mission, no margin cliche to excuse all kinds of bad behavior and rampant profiteering. So let's just hope that there's an employer or other stakeholder or policymaker who has the power to cut bad actors out of the patient journey so there's no need to deal with them. Let's turn our attention to everybody else. Pick any stakeholder in the entire healthcare industry. And I guarantee you, something is going on which is objectionable. They could be doing great and heroic things and saving lives on one hand, but they also could be charging way too much money for it, suing single mothers for medical debt, engaging in a little conflict of interest action, upcharging PMPM for unproven ROI, taking private equity funding and thereby transferring wealth from hardworking Americans to Wall Street, inventing copay accumulators and cost shifting to employees. I could go on and on, but you get the idea. If you cross off your who I'm willing to collaborate with list, every organization who has displayed some level of self-interest there will be no one left standing. The bottom line is that if a stakeholder is in the continuum of care, we got to collaborate with them because if we're not, then fragmentation is created. This means, for better or for worse, we got to be open to talk with potentially brokers, all the different kinds, employers, government, health systems, specialists, even the FFS ones, PCPs, urgent cares, ASCs, pharma, PBMs, insurance carriers, SNFs, pharmacies. If the patient we serve has to deal with them, yeah, kind of so do we. Now here's the nuance. There's a difference between collaboration and collusion. We have this sort of like crisis of access in the healthcare industry where many seem to think that if we're gonna do something, we might as well do it to the extreme. We need to stop that. More is not usually better when it comes to care delivery, nor prices, nor the depth and extent of backroom deal-making. I think one moral compass is this. If the patient wins as a result of the collaboration, then it's positive. If the patient doesn't win, then, you know, what's worse, fragmentation or the impact of whatever Fugazi is going on masquerading as care? It's a little gray sometimes, though, I will grant you, because what did Yogi Berra say? In theory, theory is the same as reality. In reality, it's different. There are many examples of gray areas like data getting sold, for example, which might ultimately benefit the patient, but it kind of feels icky in the short term or just as often something that helps the patient in the short term, but sort of enables bigger systemic issues or puts the patient in the middle of a power struggle. Like maybe copay cards is a good example. If the patient didn't have a high deductible health plan to begin with because everybody was trying to cost shift, they wouldn't need a copay card. And if the drug wasn't so expensive, they also wouldn't need a copay card. And if the PBMs weren't arbitraging rebates, they also wouldn't need a copay card. Oh, except if you're a mom and your kid can't breathe and you're at the bank emptying out your 401k to pay your $8,000 deductible, do you really care? Anyway, let me know what you think about this. My name is Stacey Richter. This podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.